Hello, this is Jane Gunn, the Corporate Peacemaker, and this podcast is about how we can each use the skills and tools of mediation and conflict resolution to help resolve conflicts and disputes at work and at home. I'm speaking today to Chris Akabusi, International World Champion, European Champion, Olympic Medalist, Professional Speaker and Business Consultant. So, if there's a man who knows what it feels like to win, it's Chris. Hello, Chris, and welcome. Hey, hi, Jane. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. And you? I'm doing brilliant. I'm looking forward to the uh, next few minutes of speaking to you. Yeah, we're going to have fun. So tell me, Chris, what it feels like to, to win at the level that you have. Oh, it's a fantastic experience, really, to sort of set yourself a real high goal, to commit to that goal to collaborate with other people in order to achieve that goal, uh, to consistently do day in, day out, all the things that's required to to achieve the goal, and then to be there in that moment when the multiplied thousands are there to witness that moment when you've crossed that line Mm. and the laws are heaped upon you to say, well done. So what? So when you talk about winning in that sense, Chris, what is it that it gives to you personally? Um, I think that um, as a sportsman, um, the thing that towards the end of my career was this recognition uh, that that was its own reward, the sort of international recognition that I was an expert in my field. Now, athletics is is black and white and there are very few things in life that are black and white but sports is one of them um, when you cross the line first it's very objective no one thinks mm, I think he was first and give a whole set of criteria why I think you're first you're first because you've crossed that line because you crossed that line in a time quicker or a you've jumped higher or you've thrown further than everybody else in that field on that day and so the recognition from your peers the recognition from the multiplied beings outside of your uh, your um, your work, your world, but who recognise um, expertise, that recognition that you are an expert in its own right is a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. And uh, that meant so much to me because um, you are dedicated to your to your to your profession, just like many people are around the world. And you listening to this uh, um, podcast now, you, you are dedicated to your profession. But, you know, dedication it is not enough. And there are kind of people who are dedicated, who work very hard, who've got a goal, who've, who've developed a plan, who are consistently working towards a plan, who don't get that moment where publicly it's declared and you have achieved. Yeah. And so to be one of those few people who've gone to the highest place in my profession, the Olympic arena, to come away not just to call yourself Olympian, but to call yourself a medalist is a phenomenal experience. So, Chris, what do you think at that level is the motivator? What drives you to win at that level and to keep on doing the things that you have to do, you know, the hard training and the wee small hours in the dark and the cold? Is it about power? Is it about self-esteem sometimes? Um, I, I suspect it, 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 I mean, it can be elements of, of that, you know. It, um, I think when you're, when you're an athlete, as an athlete, it's quite a... Take, a self-serving and uh, selfish uh, pursuit mm. because everything and everybody in your life is subordinated to this one goal yes. of you showing yourself to be the best in the world or best in Europe or the best in, in your nation at what you do. And so everything is subordinated to that. 
Um, and that can, of course, give you a, a grandiose idea of who you are. It doesn't mean that you're not humble mm-hmm. and that you don't, uh, you're not grateful for everybody else's um, involvement in it. But, of course, it's very difficult when everything is geared around to you not to have that sense of ultimate power in what you are, you, you are doing. Yeah. Um, and um, did you, what's, what's the other term you use? You use another term. That, I talked about was... self-esteem, you know, is it something that... Well, yes, I mean, you, you know, and, and there are a lot of, of sports... And this, this is actually uh, something to be aware of mm. because a lot of sportsmen have the, the whole self-esteem wrapped up in the, that achievement. And that can be dangerous because, of course... One of the beauties of sports is in a, that you compete against other people. In fact, in fact, if there were not other people to compete against, sport would be meaningless. Mm. You know, you can only be great because you are in an arena with other great champions, all competing for the prize of one. But so, if your whole self-esteem is wrapped around you being number one, mm. often there are more opportunities for you to be kicked in your self-esteem, to be eager to be dented, than there are to be. Um, uplifted mm. so that is a very pertinent point that you have to be able to keep things in perspective and have what i call a small key performance indicator small steps along the way that would assure you that you are actually going in the right direction personal best quite clearly are, are, are one of those and do you think i mean if you look back at uh, one of the things I, I think about and talk about is that sometimes you need or we need in order to be able to win in our lives memories of past challenges that we've won and also remembering times when we've lost because there must be times in the past chris where you haven't won a race but you still pick yourself up and carry on and think you know i'm going to go for it next time so the yeah, motivation I mean- continues it's not all about winning it's about it's about losing as well, and, and, and both of those things spurring you into action. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a great book that I've read subsequent to my athletic career called um, Necessary Losses, and the okay. w- woman's called Judith Voigt, and she talks about the maturation process and how that life is a journey through a series of necessary losses. Um, you know, when, when a child is born... It loses the status of off the mother's womb. And that's a necessary loss in order to come into this world. Um, there's a, a time when a child goes from the comfort of the mother's home and the parent's home into school. And there's a necessary loss of the safety and security of that, of that home environment where everything is done for you and you are the centre of somebody's universe. And, and, and you go on and on and there are necessary losses when you leave school, when you, leave you, you, when you lose your first job and when you get your first boyfriend and you lose your first job, boyfriend and then, you know, when you lose your virginity and then you, you know, they're less, and then, you know, you get to a, a sense when you've had your child and you lose, your, when you have a child, and lose independence and ultimately the the last necessary loss is a loss of your life we all know that so far for everyone that's been born there's always been someone that's exited and that's so so shall it be so the series of losses and, and, and sport is the same that, that, that there are lessons but there are lessons to be learned from those losses and if you hear sports people speaking when they lose you will hear them say but I picked out the positives from that moment. And you will be a fave with the every cloud as a silver lining. And it's appropriate for this idea that there's you will have losses. In fact, in sport, you cannot progress without having losses. Let me give you an example, Jane. 
even at my tender age of 52, <laughs> I can guarantee I can win races. All I've got to do is go down to kindergarten, line up all the three, five and seven-year-olds, race them and I'll win. <laughs> but, if I, <laughs> but of course, if I want to progress and I really want to show my mettle, I have to prepare to move up a notch. And by moving up a notch, there is that opportunity to to lose but in losing you learn more, more about yourself you learn more about the environment you learn more about the, um, the the profession and then you step up and that's what happened to get to becoming a world champion I had many many losses along the way so every cloud has a silver lining and you have to dare to lose in order to win yeah yeah and and what do you think all of this teaches us about conflict? Because that's my world, Chris. And, and one of the things I'm helping people to come to terms with is their desperate need to win uh, an argument or win a dispute. So it's winning in a different arena, really, where, mm. you know, sometimes winning isn't all that matters. Uh, you know, and I wonder if sometimes the lessons we learn about winning and losing along the way to send us in search of a of a grander vision, of a more collaborative vision, uh, do you think? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I think Jane that, that where you're going with that is uh, that that also comes with maturity. Mm -hmm. um, it, it comes. I mean, I think some people are born with the ability to step outside themselves and empathise with the person they're discussing with or the discussion's gone, and have a collaborative approach and come to a consensual position. I, by my nature, I'm not one of them. I, I don't know why Jane, and, 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 but but you know I can be this combative, and I can feel that you know I'm in a discussion, and that this win, I've got to win, I've got to win, I've, I've got to win the argument. I'm getting better as I've aged with maturity, but I can think of many many scenarios in my past where I had to win the argument, and I felt that in losing an argument, it was taken away, detracting from me as a person. Yes. So as if my own personal ego was being pulled apart just because you did not agree with my own point of view. Yes. I'm learning in life that, that, that you can disagree with me. Jane, you and I can have a very heated debate about something, and yet you and I can still stay friendly because we respect you as a person, you me as a person, and the experience that I've had. But that's, that's come through what I call an episodic life, and understanding that you don't need to win. All so, the time. when we were talking earlier, Chris, you talked about a couple of things. You talked about your time in the army and what that had taught you about rules of conflict. And you also talked about yourself as a parent and what that had taught you. Right. Yeah, I mean, as a, in the army, um, it was a very sort of like hierarchical system. And um, you, you, you're either being given instructions or you're given instructions. Hmm. And so... When I'm being given instructions, I'm, I'm collaborative by its very nature because there's a whole massive infrastructure and system around there that is going to delegate responsibility and they're going to delegate, delegate information. But as a parent, of course, as a, as a father, and I'm, I'm a bit traditional, so again, I apologise for those who are a little more libertine in their, in their, in their parenting skills. But, but, but the ultimate authority and power existed with me. And of course, when you, when you are growing up your children and you are nurturing your children when they're very very young it's easy to exert your your power and your your will but as they get older if you educate them and i've always said to my girls the only thing that i can give to you that no one can take away is your education 
when you educate them, all of a sudden they have opinions too. And so it was a real struggle to come to terms with the fact that now my adult children, one's 26 and one's 23, sometimes disagree with the old man. <laughs> and, I've got, and I've got to be able to Surely not, back. surely not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you've got to come back and you've got to be able to, 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 to have a consensus of opinion and sometimes agree to disagree or yeah. others collaborate a way around the way to go forward. Yes. But as I said, these are, these are, this a maturation process that's come through the experiences over the time. If you educate your children, there will come a time when they will confront your opinion. And what, what, what you said to me is, is in, uh, in my family is we'd have, all have these arguments about stuff and Papa would be, would be very, very forceful in his opinion. And then not being, and I'm getting better, but not being very good at saying uh, I, I was wrong uh, because that would mean I feel that I'd lost. I, I, you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't apologise. But what would happen is two or three down the road, when I had time to ruminate over what was being said, I might come to the decision to do what the girls or my my wife had suggested we should have done all the way all, all along. So, so I mean, it's sure. a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> Chris, is that it's interesting that you say that education is the one thing you can give because there's another thing I think that we can give our children. Uh, and that's unconditional love. And I say that because, and actually that applies in all conflicts, because in a way, if you can, and it's a difficult thing to do sometimes, but it, one of the key uh, things that we say in conflict you need to do is to separate the person from the problem. And you said we could have an argument and still stay friends. Mm. And in a sense, that's what you're doing. You're saying it's not about you if I disagree with you. It's about mm. the subject that we're disagreeing about. So you know, I can still continue to, to like you or to love my children. Um, that's unconditional. There are no conditions that I have to win the argument to stay mm. friends with you or to stay uh, in a relationship with my family to yeah. be able to win an argument. And, and, you know, that's a key that's a key aspect of, uh, of dispute resolution for me anyway. Yeah, well, well, I can see where you're coming from, and I and I, and I can concur, I can agree. Um, I, I I just understand, you know, that when I mean, you know, we we can rationally what you're saying makes sense, but 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 when you're exposed, when you when you're in the middle of a debate, yeah. in the middle of a conflict, yeah. when you're not thinking rationally, when everything's all about your emotions and about your feelings and about your ego being compressed and about you feeling attacked or wanting to be defensive it's hard to understand that person loves me yes. and the issue is about the message yes. or the subject and not me and, you know and, I, I, yeah. I, I, oh, sorry. I was just going to say I think what you describe very clearly Chris to me is a, a very instinctive response to to conflict and a very instinctive desire to win and you know that's something that I acknowledge is present in every single one of us because it's part of our survival instinct and the more that that's been enhanced by what we've experienced, particularly in our early life, the stronger that drive is in each of us and then the harder it is to understand in circumstances where we need to collaborate, how do I do that? You know, How do I express unconditional love? How do I suppress that overriding desire to beat this person because it's in the better interests of our relationship to do that? Yeah, fantastic, Jane. And and you know, that point about our early experiences when you when you're when you're young is is so vital because um, sometimes we are trapped in that juvenile 
mind. You know, if you are you know, like me, I mean, I was brought up in a children's home, um, and you know, you, you've got to fight for your opinion. Yes. As a, as a kid in the children's home, you've got to, if you are namby pamby, and I mean, I'm not my you can easily be walked on by other children it unless is. you fight for your rights. It is survival, isn't it? It is, so it is survival. So you end up arguing and arguing forcibly in order to have the right to be heard and a right to be accepted into the tribal mind. Yes. Well, that was okay when I was in the children from 8 to 16. But now in a world where I'm meeting with people like yourself and in corporate infrastructures and, 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 and high-fluting consultants, it's not appropriate to be fighting for the right to be heard. And there are different ways in, in, in which to, to, to lay your voice into the arena and to develop a consistent and coherent argument, oh yeah, in, in, in the Greco-Roman world of argument, a system of, of, of intellectual thought, and then have your, and, and take it or leave it, fine, and still to go ahead and like to have unconditional love for one another in a family or the equivalent in the business context. Yes. So what would you say, Chris, would be your greatest motivator now or your greatest role model, perhaps, in moving you from that sort of instinctive fight or flight response to people that you might come into disagreement with and how you now try and react in those kind of situations? Well, in the, in the business arena, my, my greatest motivator is that, you, is that you never win a fight with a client. Yes. That's just pure and simple. Um, you know, you might win the battle, but you certainly wouldn't win the war. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it, you know my, my business does not exist without, its cl- without the clients. So I, I have to be able to discuss with clients in, in, in a manner that allows them to leave the discussion, whether they book me or not, but leave the discussion feeling whole yeah. and prepared to recommend me to somebody else who can afford my fees let us suggest or can can who does appreciate my services yeah. or to be able to come back to the table at another time when they're in a position to afford my fees or appreciate my services <laughs> so all the time i'm aware when i speak to to a client that that this isn't the only opportunity mm. you know and, and, and they're, they're going to leave this meeting with an impression of you and they can be your raving fans mm. or they can be your worst enemy choose you who you want to have and then act appropriately so if you were to summarize um or to give one sort of key thought chris to to listeners today or one key tip what do you what do you think it would be um my tip would be you were born with two ears one mouth Engage the brain and act in ratio and accordingly. So in other words, we need to listen more than we speak. <laughs> Correct. Listen more than you think. Listen more than you speak yeah. and engage the brain before yes. doing either. Yes. That's very interesting. And, you know, that's one of the things that uh, that I also teach people is that, you know, we don't think logically when we're in a conflict. So, you know, you need to engage the brain and uh, and allow it to... Allow it to rationalise what's happening to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. That's why, Jane, I'd always go to someone like yourself if I have a major conflict with a client because I know that you will engage your brain <laughs> before I put in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a 
good summary of what I do. <laughs> well, Chris, it's been such a pleasure talking to you this morning. We, I know we could go on speaking for a lot longer, but I'm conscious uh, of your time. But um, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much, Jane. A very, very professional interview, and I look forward to listening to more of your series. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.